Shabbos everybody, good Shabbos. Chodesh Tov. Chodesh Tov. This morning's Kriyat Torah, the reading this morning, can be found in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Devarim. Let me get there. Parshat Re'eh. Chapter 12, verse 29, page 1,068, 1,0,6,8. <clears throat> the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Dvarim, sometimes referred to as Mishneh Torah, the, re- the repetition of Torah is a series of perorations, or a series of, of, of ending speeches, speeches that Moshe, the teacher, gives to the children of Israel as he is about to leave them. He knows he's already been told in the book of Numbers of Bamidbar that he will be dying in the desert for the sin of the hitting of the, of the rock, of the stone twice, instead of speaking to it. And Moshe here, the man of no words, becomes the eloquent orator, who in many Divarim, the book is named Divarim, as if to remind us of the one who said, Loish Divarim Anochi, I am not a man of Divarim. Moshe said about himself, I am not a man of words, Divarim. And then of course, ironically, beautifully, the wounded healer becomes the healed one, who then has the power to speak Right, the very one whose active speech bars him from entering into the land becomes the eloquent speaker who hopes to open the land for the others. The one who doesn't speak to the rock but hits it now speaks to the rock of the children of Israel's hearts and says, open and listen to what I have to teach you before I leave. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, our teacher here, it's kind of sad that it always happens in the summer when everybody's on vacation. It's like the, the Devarim is the least read book in, in Judaism. Everybody's on vacation. They say, like, what did you guys learn during the summer when we were out in the Hamptons? Oh, there was a book called Devarim. It's an interesting book. Moshe says, the book of Devarim is fascinating in terms of just on an academic level, who wrote the book of Devarim? Like, even if it's in Moshe's mouth, whoever wrote it and at what period in history they were writing it and what were their concerns, it's a very different book than any of the other books of the Torah. And as such, it gives us different Torah. In many ways, it is the first Midrash on Torah. In many ways, the book of Devarim is the first coda on all of the books that came before. And so here, Moshe Rabbeinu, in chapter 12, When you will come into the land, when God will destroy cut down, yachrit is very karet, God will cut the goyim, the nations. You will inherit the land and you will settle it. Hishamir lacha. Be careful, Moshe. And by the way, Moshe is intensely beautiful in this way. A good teacher is, be careful. 
Like these are the things that you need to be careful about and from in order to live a good life, Moshe says. Be careful about this. Lest you get caught, pentinakesh, you get, there's a mokesh, there's like a trap, you get trapped in wondering, how did those, how did they serve God? Echa, the word echa, very strong here, right? Echa. It appears very few times in Tanakh. Echa, how? As Rabbi Jessica said during the summer in July, it's a howl almost. Don't be, don't get caught wondering about another tradition's path or another way. I find that very ironic given that last night I think I was somewhere and we were chanting Sanskrit. Right? Don't do that. Don't do that. They did crazy things to serve God. Don't get caught in their unethical, immoral practices. Don't follow their lead. According to the Torah, they were even willing to burn their children, God forbid. Right? They were involved in all kinds of crazy practices. And then Moshe says in the beginning of chapter 13, Stay true to this, to these teachings, Moshe says. This is the way for you. Don't add and don't detract, don't subtract. So on a simple level, this has always been the isur, the prohibition against becoming culturally identified with another tradition. Right? Whether it was the fear in the 19th century of all things that were new, chadash, asur Torah, prohibitions against anything new, any innovation is dangerous. This reading of the Torah becomes the classic locus text. This becomes the text, amongst others, but this is one of them, of don't do like the goyim. Don't be like the non-Jews. Don't be like, don't, right, don't find yourself doing what they do. It's a very it's a very difficult text in this sense, is that we've always borrowed from cultures that we were a part of. In fact, the entire Tanakh, ironically, is itself a working off of a pre-existing culture, a pre-existing way of worshiping, and pre-existing stories. The innovation of the Tanakh, the innovation of the Bible, was that it took pre-existing stories and with a small change of inflection, made it slightly different, a different tradition altogether. We have always been a culturally accommodating tradition. In fact, when my Rebbe, Rebbe Zalman Shachter Shalomi, with a group of other rabbis and Jewish leaders, went to India to visit the Dalai Lama, which, you know, on a trip that became immortalized in the book, um, The Jew in the Lotus. He was with a group of very traditional, not always, but not all of them rather, but some of them very traditional Jews, and they found some of the things he told the Dalai Lama very problematic. But one of the things that the Dalai Lama wanted to hear, and Rebbe Zalman very much wanted to share was, how it was that we as Jews survived the exile. How was it that we were able, over the course of 2,000 years, to maintain our distinction? What was it? What were the conditions? What were the rituals? What were the practices? How did you do it? The, the Dalai Lama wanted the secret to Jewish longevity, longevity in the diaspora. And one of the things 
that we did was that we borrowed. We didn't fight, always. Songs and melodies and teachings. Rabbi Art Green from Hebrew College wrote a, an entire um, monograph on the use of the word Mary or Miriam as it appears in the Zohar, in the book of, 13th century book of Jewish mysticism. There was a cult of Mary in Spain, and it seems that the mystics of Spain borrowed some of the language of the Christian cult of Mary and included that into their understanding of the Jewish God. So what do they do with these verses? Don't do like them, but make sure that if you do like them, that you make it Jewish. <laughs> so clearly, I think that there's something else that's being invoked here from, from Moshe as a teacher. Part of what we are as a people is not just that we are Jews connected with Judah, not just that we are Yisrael or Israelites connected with Jacob or Yisrael, but we are from Abraham. Abraham. And Abraham is the classic iconoclast. Abraham, even though it's not mentioned in the Bible, Abraham, as many people know, there was a midrash, a number of midrashim, that paint Abraham as the classic breaker of idols. The smash, he smashes the graven image, the small God, to reveal a deeper, broader, bigger God. And that when we call ourselves Jews, I sometimes wish that we would call ourselves Ivrim. Hebrews, because at least the way that we self-understood what it meant to be Abrahamites was that Abraham Ivri, the Ivri, the Hebrew, meant he was on one side and the whole world could be on the other, but he stayed true to what he knew. The Torah is telling us, I think, today, and especially every year before Rosh Hashanah when we read this, that if you want to be someone who is involved in truth, you have to be willing to stand against the current. You have to be willing to stay true to something, even if the whole world is standing on one side and you are on the other, you have to say, you know what? I don't know if they would have said this in Mesopotamia, Ich bin an Ivri. I'm, a, I'm an Ivri. I'm not just a Yehudi, a gratituder, I'm not just a Yisraeli, a God wrestler, but I'm an Ivri, I stand on the other side. Don't do like they did. I've given you a new path. Their path is a way of destruction. Their path is a way of pain. Their, their path is a way of sacrificing inappropriate sacrifices for the sake of that which is not ultimate. But you know, not you. You know something that is ultimate and you know how to prioritize. You have to be willing to stay true even in a culture that is demanding you abandon that truth. And one month from today we stand on Rosh Hashanah and every year we are reminded to say, go back over the year and remember, look, see, check in. Where have you been led astray by the cultural gods that surround you? By those absolutes that are not truly absolute, by those ultimates that are relative, by those culturally conditioned adhesions that, we, that, that, that adhere to us where we place a goal before us. You know the word Elul? Someone once said to me, Elul, the word El means go towards. Elul is the extreme grammatical form of El, meaning towards. Elul is what are you moving towards? What's the, 
what is the ale, as it were, the God or the thing, the ultimate that you are in obedience to? Because if you don't check in, you might be idolatrous. I might be idolatrous because guess what, everybody? I'm not really sure that if you're bowing down to an elephant that that's idolatry. But if you're bowing down to a culturally constructed image of what happiness is, of what goodness is, of what truth is, that's probably worse. And if Abraham were alive today, and he is, I think, in each and every one of us who does this, he would say, forget about the Narishkeit with Hinduism. That's an old canard. I mean, we're not worried about Hindus. Thank God Hindus are, you know, they're pointing towards the truth, and every religious tradition is pointing towards the truth. But really what we have to be worried about are all kinds of idols. And we could name them, they are legion, right? And I think that, um, you know, without being overly intense, because we have a month, we want to move our way towards it, you know, we don't want to... like to start to think about the, the clothing that we wear that comes with labor that isn't so kosher, where we bow down to the capitalist notion that if you have just those nice pair of pants from Banana Republic, then you'll be happy even if somebody else is unhappy, making them for you. All of these things that we have to think about. This is not a light month. If you thought the month of August was a time to relax, today is the beginning of the month of deep introspection. So I wanted to begin this morning's first calling up with a call to become an Ivri, to be one who is willing to stand against the current and to look at all of the idols in the shop uh, that, that is this heart-mind. Look where we've placed various gods from culturally conditioned places and be willing to look at them and to hear Moshe say, Lochein, no, that's not it. I've given you the path that helps you balance the absolute and the relative. Don't add to it, don't subtract from it, but find it, the sweet spot of truth. Please come forward for the bracha, for the blessing of being able to hear. You are Ivrim. You are boundary crossers, iconoclasts, and to do the work of that inner cleaning for the first Aliyah.